Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 439, Wiping Sweat Off Forehead. Cannot believe I talk that much of her, the podcast where you're going to hear the truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her medical care system. Oh, are you going to hear a load? And I am beyond thrilled about who our guest is. But before I get into that, just know that our episode is made possible by our wonderful sponsor, Solaray Vitamins, S-O-L-A-R-A-Y Vitamins. As you know, I'm a Pew Foundation scholar in nutrition and metabolism, in addition to being a, a physician. And I'm just telling you right now, as women, we try to get in the greens and the five colors, and we failed miserably. Okay, it's just the way it is. And this is why a multiple vitamin really helps to fill in those gaps. So run on over to solarayvitamins.com and to learn more. Here's your first reminder also to hop on over to iTunes and click on to iTunes after the episode to rate and review the show because my entire team just sits around waiting to hear from you. That's what we do. We love your feedback. Ah, okay. It's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about Her. So when I was in medical school, I was entering my first year of clinical. There was this undercurrent around the medical school, and they said, you got to read this book. And I said, oh, God, seriously, man, I just got through the first two years. And all I did was read books and pass boards and blah, blah, blah. And they said, no, before you hit clinical, which is what happens in your third and fourth year of medical school, you better read this book. And I said, well, what's the book? And I said, well, the author is Samuel Shem, which is actually a pseudonym for the physician who wrote it. But it was written by Samuel Shem. And it was called The House of God. And I said, what? House of God? What are you talking about? And they said, no, you got to read this thing. So I said, fine. And I started reading it, I remember, on a beach. It was like right before I started clinicals. And I had just a little bit of time, you know, take a little bit of a vacation before all hell broke out with clinicals. This is one of the few books in my entire life that I read in one day. I literally never put it down. Thanks to Sam Shem, who is our wonderful guest. I got a nice sunburn that day, too. I was either rolling around in hysterical laughter or I was like doing a major OMG, like, oh, God, is that really true? Is that what they do? I mean, is this the way they're thinking? This is the hellfire I'm walking into. And all of us talked about the book, House of God, during our breaks as we began clinicals, when we were sitting around on call and back and forth. We would reach excerpts from it, like, did you read about Fat Man on this one? And what about the runt over here? And, and back and forth. It was just amazing. And I'm going to tell you, that it was a game changer for me. I was more mature. I already have, I'm from University of California, Berkeley. And before I went to med school, I did a double master's in public health, public policy. 
So I was a little more well-rounded, mature. I was kind of, you know, ready for whatever when I went to medical school. And then the house of God shows up. And I said, oh my goodness gracious, this is like a reality check. And it was a game changer. And to this day, decades later, I can tell you that I could read sight and verse and it all comes back again because it changed my life that much. And so who the hell is Sam Shem? Sam Shem is actually a novelist, playwright, and a member of the faculty of the New York University School of Medicine at the Langone Medical Center. He's written a number of novels. The House of God was one of them, and it was based upon some real people. And we're going to get into that one. Oh, my goodness gracious. And he's also been the a co-author with his wife, Janet Surrey, of the hit off-Broadway play, Bill W., and on and on it goes. He's also a graduate of Harvard College and Harvard Medical School, as well as a Rhodes Scholar, and it just goes on and on. And you've had this incredible trajectory of a career, and I've got a lot of interesting thoughts about that. And one of the reasons I'm The excuse I brought him on because I wanted to meet him was uh, his brand new book, and this is called Our Hospital. Once again, we're going to get into that as well. So everyone, I want you to give it up for Dr. Samuel Shem. Welcome to the Herb Podcast. Thank you. That's about the best people have said things about me for 10 years. I mean, and seriously, <laughs> you just totally rocked it. And I told a number of my colleagues, including people I've known for a very long time who read the book with me, and that you were going to be on. And they all said collectively, give them a high five for all of us because you literally changed our lives. And Most importantly, there was a collective thank you for the heads up, because it was an incredible heads up about what we were about ready to enter. Now, you're a writer, no question, and you're an excellent writer. You kind of remind me in many respects of Oliver Sacks, but with different nuances to it. But in your case, Here you started out, and I know, I think the House of God started out as kind of a play, an idea for a play, and then one thing led to another. But this was back in the 1970s when you wrote this, and to write a book like this took guts because you were writing about intel, insider stuff, about what really happens during medical school training. I mean... Did you fully wrap your head around what you were getting yourself into in terms of the cancel culture that showed up afterwards? <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm lucky in some ways is that is I don't go on fear or go on guilt. <laughs> I just jump into things. I just would say uh, on this show that I am one of the luckiest people you'd ever want to see, you know, where things could have crashed, things Some of them crashed and I picked myself up, but some of them not. So I'll tell you, what I did was we had almost everything in the house of God is true. Almost everything. The worst things are true, even. And after 
we finished the internship. I was staying in uh, Newton and a lot of about five or six of my favorite friends, like Eat My Dust Eddie, Hyper, Hyper Hooper, The Run, Chuck, they were all around too. And I was so depressed. I immediately started learning to be a psychiatrist, which I, I just, I didn't even go in for long periods of time. You know, they wondered where this, this guy was uh, coming. Is he going to come? Anyway, so we started having in my, the attic, I was renting in my house in Newton, and they started coming over, you know, Chuck, oh, about five of them, six of them, and we just drank and smoked and just sat there and let it all go, you know, and I w wasn't thinking of writing anything, nothing. I mean, although I brought my typewriter to the hospital because I w wanted to be a writer, and I just, every day I, I did it, but I've never laughed as much as those midnight groups because we were getting it out and then i started to uh, hmm, maybe there's something here so i started writing here just writing things down and all that stuff and then i i didn't i was into plays then and i didn't want to do a novel but i went to i was in my psychiatric residency and i was looking for uh, something for a play and somebody said oh you know, this woman in uh, in New York is a playwright agent. So I wrote this. I went there and I said, and I said, P.S. At the bottom, I had a play, but P.S. I'm doing this novel <laughs> and, you know, a doctor novel. I, but I just tell you, right in the bottom, I put that. I didn't want to be a writer of fiction. So I went on my way. I'm in McLean Hospital, this huge hospital that I'm doing my psych in. And one day I forget all about sending it to that. Somebody, she said, or she wrote, I don't do plays, but why don't you send me what you got of this, a piece of a novel? So I said, oh, okay, what the hell? Let's put it in an envelope. And then I forgot about it. And then one time I'm standing in the middle of the McLean Hospital and a call comes in and he says, hi, I'm so-and-so. He said, I really love what you sent me of the book as far as you go. What she said is, you're either a genius or a madman. And I, once in my life, had the right thing to say. He said, well, I can't help you there, but you should know I'm speaking to you from an insane asylum, as, we, as we're talking I know, because you were in your psychiatric training. So, oh, my God, as a psychiatrist, so you were in an insane asylum. You know, one of the things I want to make sure that the Herb Podcast audience understands is that what you wrote actually affected generations of doctors because what you did was you told the truth. And when people say, hey, Dr. Peak, thanks for being so compassionate and empathetic, and also you have that wicked sense of humor, which sort of emerges every now and then, I can honestly say that you were one of the people who gave me permission to kind of let it rip like that. And flashing forward now, what I'm looking at is a career that was distinguished by a number of books and actually activism within the field of medicine. So many of you out there in the Her Podcast land, you know, have had your own unique interactions with the medical care system. Our medical care system is not perfect, understatement, but it certainly is a hell of a lot better than most of what's going around globally. But on the other hand, we're a work in progress, and it's really important to have reality checks, 
about what's really going on. So what really, I think one of the things that came out of House of God was the fact that there was a, you know, an emerging feeling that maybe the way we're treating doctors in training is not really great for patients. I mean, you know, I'm old school, you're old school. So I was on for 72 hours straight and you don't want to see me at hour 70. That's like a very bad experience because I don't even remember my name, but that's the way we were taught because you had to grow hair on your chest and show you can tough it out. But you know, where the hell did that come from? Why did we need something like that to be able to show empathy and compassion to our patients, no matter what time of day, because we were obviously on 24 hours. I think that there was there were very positive spin-offs that happened. You know, the biggest one is Libby Zion, the Libby Zion case. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. And they they were going with the house of God as an example of what's wrong when they won. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That was huge because here you had a situation where a patient suffered. Yes. Badly, because someone was just absolutely so exhausted they made a mistake. Come on now. So now one of the things we had to do was step back, have a reality check, tell the true truth, and say the system is flawed. We need to check this out now. And all of us as old school physicians, we sat back and we said, you know, it's about time. It's about time to be able to make changes in policy that will be great for patients out there so that today patients can benefit from all of that. Now, of course, flashing forward, you've just written this book called Our Hospital. Now, this is yet another novel. In this book, you've got that activist hat on again, and now we're talking about the COVID pandemic and how physicians specific physicians in this case, bandied together to be able to try to survive as they were on the front lines in a small hospital. And this is when you begin to basically reveal a lot of the incredible challenges of a small hospital facing something as extraordinary as this. What made you want to write this book, which is just you know, brand new and another brick in your strong foundation of activist books. Why did you decide to write this book? Well, you're right about activism. That's the way we, I, we grow up, we, you know, Vietnam and stuff like that. I realized one time, what, why do I do that? If I feel a, hey, wait a second, moment. Like if you're going along a street and somebody's asking for some money and you go by and you don't say, well, wait a second. This is the big deal. Hey, wait a second. Why, you know, why didn't I give him some? He looked so, you know, he looked okay. And that, hey, wait a second, magnified is gets me writing in everything I've written. And what happened all these, you know, I, well, let me just go back if you don't mind. This is kind of crazy. But with this book, the fourth, I am using it's the House of God, it's Mount Misery, it's man's fourth best hospital, and now our hospital. And it covers 50 years, 50 years 
of saying, hey, wait a second, this isn't right, each in different ways. So what happened with this one, first of all, I have, out of the blue, I was asked to be a uh, professor at NYU Medical School, and that gave me time and money that I could do whatever I wanted, you know, and I taught the house of God, but they wanted me to, to teach it. Harvard hated me. They wanted to lynch me, you know. Anyway, so for the last 10 years, I've been doing that. And what happened, I uh, wondered what I, what I should do. I'd done uh, man's fourth best hospital was a real thing about just a horrible hospital that was, it's still here, this hospital, I won't name it. But I just recently learned it's changed. It changed because of what I wrote. They told me about it. Somebody called me up last week. That's this uh, man's fourth best hospital. I won't tell you what it is, you know. So I was looking for something else to, well, I say, well, I'm, I'm too old. I don't want to write. But then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I was on a tour to hospitals for the previous book that was in 2020 just at the start of COVID, the, f the first month of it here. We didn't know what we were doing. I was at Montefiore and I gave, a, I gave a talk and we went out and we did this, but nobody, the only thing we had, had to do was do elbow bumps. I come home, I get COVID, one of the first ever. It was pretty bad, but no real, real bad. And I thought, gee, you know, somebody's got to write about this. And... Uh, <laughs> There it was, and I had, and then the other thing is, my favorite book, really the best book, is The Spirit of the Place, which is my hometown, Hudson, New York, and that was going home to Hudson and stuff, and I thought, hey, wait a sec, and it, then the other thing, the other thing that got me, and you know if you've read it, is these chains of hospitals are grabbing them up and getting, get this, they grab these little hospitals up. And they kick out obstetrics and gynecology, for one thing. They're what called private equity. They're private equity, which they can't be sued if it all goes off. So anyway, there was a little hospital in Hudson. It was a good hospital. And then I see, hey, now it isn't. It's, I mean, imagine they're for a whole county, Hudson, New York, it is the base of it, and they can't deliver babies. The women have to go up to Albany. It's insane. So I did what this is. Hey, wait a second. Somebody said, and I, and I, I couldn't get out of the house because I was sick. And I just let, went to it every single way. And it's, it's set in Hudson, New York. I'm going to bring it out next week there. The more I got into it, the more I wanted to write about it. And also, the other thing, there are two things that are really, I always wanted to do, and I didn't do because it wasn't appropriate for the hospital. I've never really written about nurses very, very heavily. And the other thing is I haven't worked on nurses and women doctors. I'm very, very happy that the heroes of this book Actually, it's my most optimistic book. Things go well at the end, you know? Well, you know, that's true. They do. And that's why it was such a great read for everyone out there who just wants to be able to kind of capture the essence of what took place in the front lines. There you have it. But, you know, I got to say, Sam, you exonerated yourself because House of God was a little rough on women. And you know something? 
Here's the way I feel about that. What you wrote was what was going on in the Times, and it was very reflective of so many of the attitudes of the time. I mean, I I never had a female mentor because I was in the front line of the wave of women who were, well, wave, a little trickle of women who were beginning to enter the medical care system as physicians in a big way. So there were a lot of the usual stereotypic nuances and characterizations of women. I remember Joe. Joe is that, you know, she's single, she's cold, you know, she's smart, she's articulate. You know, it was kind of like one of those. But, you know, I saw some of that, too. And you were just sort of telling the true truth about a lot of the craziness that was going on at the time, because no one really could capture what was going on with women because there was no voice for women at that time. So what most of us did was we were stealthy about how we got through the system and we just stayed as best we could under the radar and worked our way and navigated and adapted and adjusted. And then eventually, you know, built our own foundation of national success or whatever we were doing one way or the other. Flashing forward, I remember reading a piece in the New Yorker where they were kind of, you know, doing a little finger wagging at you about the women thing. But quite frankly, you were just being honest about the actual tenor of what was going on at the time. So flashing forward 40 years, it's different. Now you have the majority of students in many medical school classes, first year medical school classes are actually women. And things, there's like a shift. There's a, a real shift that you could feel out there. And that's why in this book, Our Hospital, one of the things you were doing was reflecting that shift. And now we've got a much better way of looking at the power of both male and female physicians, right? Make sense? And nurses. The nurses and women right. saved the day. I really wanted to, I haven't been able to do that because that wasn't true. I've never said anything when I get accused of anything, and I'm not going to start now. The only thing I would say when people are rather cruel about what's going on in the house of God is, remember women's liberation? They were doing it. They were doing it. And all I did, I mean, a, a writer. If you're honest, you have to follow what the truth is. And there it was. And I'm getting, you know, 40 years later, you know. Yeah, well, no, no, no. What you did was a beautiful reflection of the times. And I was hoping at some point, right, that women nurses, well, not women nurses, but nurses at that time, mostly were women 40 years ago, would be given their due and nurses in general, and basically, quite frankly, what we now just simply say are healthcare providers, nurse practitioners, physician assistants. It's basically a team kind of thing. And you reflected that beautifully in this book, Our Hospital. Thank you. And I don't at all fault you for what, what you wrote 40 years ago, because you you held up a mirror to the times. And as a writer, I'm also a writer, you're told to tell the truth. And in my books, in your books, we tell the truth. And if you can't handle the truth, that's tough. 
because it is what it is. We're trying to be authentic. Otherwise, it's fake news and it's nothing more than folly. And to have an awakening is kind of what you know, you've done for so many years. So you wrote this book. What is your hope when someone reads our hospital? What is your hope that they walk away with? I think that kindness and expertise is going to save us. And the fact that women are so prevalent now, really prevalent on all levels in a hospital, I have really gone accurately, I think, in this, for this hospital, because I know about it a lot, and I know a lot of women there. I think I've done it. When it comes to a time in this book where it could go down the tubes or not, guess who takes over? Doctors and nurses just go for it. They just go for it. And they're very clever and everything could fall apart, but they actually bring everybody together. Women, let's face it, I mean, my, with Janet Surrey, my wife, we've written about and taught about what is a good relationship. A good relationship, if it's mutual, power over doesn't work. It didn't, even, didn't work in BI. But now there really is with women and a lot of men to understand that there's mutuality that we have to go for. When I go out and speak, I, I say, you know, the danger of isolation and the healing power of good connection. And what's good connection? Mutual, mutual connection. So when I came to this book, I just was like a pig in SHIT, you know, because I was finally wanting to see nurses lead and doctors love them and, and everybody. And they... Of course, some of the, the people, because this is a, still a, a sequel to The House of God and all of them, because Eat My Dust Eddie and Hyper Hooper and Roy and the Fat Man. How'd you like the way the Fat Man came back in again? Don't to say how, but... <laughs> I know. Shh. Read the book. You know, can I say something? Oh, hell yeah. I, guess I don't talk to people very much, but I wanted to talk to you. I won't be spoiling it for Mansworth Best Hospital to say that at the end, the fat man died. I won't say how, he died. I mean, so you, now you know that thing. And I was writing this book. This shows you how intensely these people are real to me. Last couple of times, I, we went to Maine. We rented a house for a couple of weeks. I was in the middle, and I said to Janet, I, I can't write any more of this. I can't. I don't know why. I'm really depressed. So she says, come on, let's go on a walk in the woods. <laughs> and just in that thing, she, I, I said, I've been getting up every morning with nightmares. She said, what did you, what were they? She said, well, about the house, about uh, the fat man being dead. And she said, hmm, is, it in, is he in the book? Not alive, he isn't, I'll say. And then, like that, I saw how I could bring him back. I won't tell you how, but I'm sure it works. And it worked for me because I could go ahead and have him there with me. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? <laughs> well, no, it's not crazy at all. And I think that everyone out there on the Her Podcast land understand that Sam is a psychiatrist, a physician, a Rhodes Scholar, a writer. This is his life, and he lives it with passion. 
you could feel it in all the characters in his books and his plays. And so you're getting a little glimpse into the life of a, of a really superb writer who has used the medical platform to be able to enter the world of activism in a big way. And that's one of the reasons why it's so cool. Cause you know, nowadays flashing way forward, you know, we have all this cancel culture stuff going on. It's insane. And I think especially among physicians, so many physicians feel like they have to be, you know, still and quiet. And I find that to be deeply disturbing. Well, I came from Berkeley, enough said, you know, I mean, we were the... <laughs> Yay, all right, all right. I mean, you know, it's like Mario Savio in the Sproul Plaza and, and it was free speech and all the rest of it. I remember during my years at Berkeley, both in undergrad and grad school, that we were open to listening to anyone. We love the Socratic dialogues that we had. People would be conservative. We're cool with that. People would be liberal. We're cool with that. People would be neutral. We're cool with that. Nowadays, I feel like you're slapped down if you don't tow some kind of strange party line out there. And you and I, I think, are built the same way. It's like I say, hell to the no on that one. I'm going to remain as, a, as an activist. I'm definitely all about women's health and making certain that women's rights are most definitely protected all the way through. And I'll always be that way because, my God, everything from Title IX, which is now 50 years old, and I'm a I'm a triathlete and on the board of the American College of Sports Medicine. The bottom line is we have to be able to have an open dialogue and to manage how we speak to one another with reflective listening and, and come together collaboratively to be able to come up with everything from policy to just how we carry on. I think that Books like yours and your activist voice, I think, are very, very important because you got street creds. You know, people listen to you, Sam, when it comes to really looking at the medical care system and saying, I'm holding up a mirror. How's it look? It's looking right now because this is the true truth. What do you think? Well, I am absolutely God. We could talk for hours because it's lonely. Writing is lonely anyway, but. Every day, I and you, we pick up the, the, the papers, and there's something about doctors about how bad it is. And we can do it better. And I've tried. My writing is the main way. But we are real, really in a very, very bad place. Now, I was saved, actually, by getting a phone call almost 10 years ago by the head of NYU Medical School. He said, would you like to be a professor in humanities? And I said, what do you want me to do? I want you to teach the house of God. That's never happened before. So I jumped at it. And it is, this is the truth for me, it's a great way of running hospitals there. And it's one that is actually caring. I remember when I went there, I'm curious, I look around and I'm in Bellevue and the guy who's emptying the overnight, the guy who's emptying the trash is whistling and talking to people and everything, you know, and happy there. This has a kind sense. It's coming down from the top. Why? Why is it a kind place of 40,000 people? That's what I learned. What I learned, it's a great place. The head of it, Bob Grossman, 
was also in surgery at the house of God when I was there. So he has that same thing. I'm going to make this kinder, not just money and all that stuff. Isn't that something? I love it. I'm more prolific in these last 10 years than ever. That's the thing. You see, it takes, I think one of the big lessons, I'm always about life lessons. No matter what happens to you in life, you know, can you grab the lesson, good, bad, or otherwise? And one of the lessons here is good karma spins more good karma. And it may not happen tomorrow, may not happen in 10 years, but here we are 40 years later, they're finally getting the message in a big way. In our medical school experience, there was really, outside of some mentors who maybe just were kind of really special and back and forth, the kindness, gentlest level of teaching empathy and the rest of it, there was some of it, but nowhere near as much as you really need. But here was the other piece. There was nothing about self-care, nothing. So what you were doing was you were just surviving. You're getting through and you figure it out on your own. Nowadays, the self-care issue is extremely important. There's actually, you know, on my Twitter, one of the things you see is my pinned tweet came from the pandemic, and it was from the New England Journal of Medicine, which basically said medical care providers absolutely must address their self-care. It is integral to the successful delivery of optimal medical care that you got to take care of yourself. This is something that I want all the Her Podcast people to listen to, and that is that We absolutely now are shifting into a new place where physicians are thinking very deeply about how to plan for self-care during training, after training, you know, building it into their practices. And sticking together, sticking together. Can I collectively I know we're going we're going close to ending. Would you mind if I just read something from the last page because it's inspirational and I'd like that. It won't Last be- page of which of the new book? The new book, yeah. Great, fantastic. Okay. This is Roy at the end of the book. He's almost died all the way. You know, I've cleaned up everyone. And actually, I didn't mention my best book in some ways, The Spirit of the Place, which is sort of a, a prequel to this, The Spirit of the Place. And the only one that that won uh, two national did you ever read that the spirit of the place not yet got it you got it okay this is at the end of the book and roy is saying rehearsing something with barry to that he's gonna that he wants to get out there he's talking to young doctors now we turn our sight to you the next generations this isn't our fight anymore at least not on the front line But it breaks our heart to see you this way. It's your fight, and we have your backs. We have faith in you. Stick together, lean on us, count on us, call on us, and we'll be there with you. As he went on, it was as if he were reading from writing in the sky. All of you have made it as doctors and nurses. All you need from us now is inspiration. We promise we will help. With that, It will be held. But listen, take this in deeply. These things can change like lightning and with lightning. Sometime, maybe when you are down, your dark sky may lighten 
And in that moment, you may glimpse a beloved person, a love or a wild, kind teacher or family member, or as I did, a fat man. And in that sudden, strange awareness, you can count on one more thing above all else for sure. He smiled at Barry. Our job is to reveal and heal. We all together have the power to lift you and your caring up. It is a rising time, he paused. Barry nodded, reached out, took his hand gently and smiled. He finished. We wish you all well. It's very positive. I love when I read that in reviewing the book, the reveal and heal part just sort of stuck with me, you know, in a big way. Also, I got to say, I went online and I was watching some of your videos in one of them where you gave the address to the University of Maryland in 2012. I'm on faculty there and I've given that address a number of times using different spins and off times for Women's History Month. And one of the things that I love is for medical students to really listen to your voice because your voice comes from decades of experience, decades of activism, and it's also very, very hopeful. It's extremely hopeful. And I love the fact that it's hopeful because this is what the next generations of healthcare providers need to hear. They need to understand that they're not alone, that they don't have to feel so isolated, which is what many practitioners feel they are. And in this crazy system of electronic medical records that are driving people crazy, you know, leaving very little time to be able to do the patient interaction without being distracted by devices and all the rest of it, there's hope here. One of the things you can do is you can still change the system stealthfully and strategically and know that we as physicians who came before you are here to help guide. So call on us. I can't tell you how many mentees I have out there. Oh, hell yeah. Because they've reached out over the years. You know, I was a senior scientist in the NIH. I had a whole bunch of kids, as it were, in my lab who I've helped foster through medical school because they came in as seniors in universities, medical school training, on and on, to see them go on to do amazing things. And a lot of us in our generation went on to become national medical leaders within our fields, and we kick behind by doing that. And so having you on the Her podcast was incredibly important to me and to all my colleagues who are waving their hands and saying, hey, Sam, thanks for all that, because you're a fellow activist, and we're here to be able to touch the lives in a very positive, beneficial way of all those people who are listening right now with the Herb Podcast to let you know that we're trying our absolute best to continue to improve this system, which is, again, never perfect. It's filled with human beings. We're doing the best we can. So as we close off this podcast, I'd like to ask you to gift us Give the Her Podcast audience out there with a little nugget of hope and inspiration 
about what's going on right now. Yeah, I am blown away by you. And I would love to be available to you and to other people to share whatever I've learned. That's what's going to help, is, is the younger listening to the older, because we can change things. I don't say this often, but why don't you buy this book? Because this book is right now. It's right now through the COVID. It's, you know, it's one of those things they have in literature, plague, a plague group. It's like the others. So I would love to be in touch with you. Well, you know, the jewel, the diamonds in your crown are your family and friends. They have nothing to do with material, everything, and, and back and forth. It's about family and friends, people who really count relationships. And you learn this as you age. So listen up, young ones out there. Grab those relationships, hold on to them, foster them, do the work to maintain connections because it's work. You know, you got to show up. You can't just expect things to fall in your lap. These are really important life lessons for everyone, whether you're a physician or a nurse or any healthcare provider or not. You know, this is just about, these are life lessons. This is an example of how doctors can get together and get something going. This is how it works. Just watch this. You can figure out how to do this and buy the book. <laughs> oh, no, there's no question about that. We're going to spin that little Hummer all over the place. <laughs> so on behalf of the Her Podcast audience, I just want to tell you from the depths of my heart, thank you for giving me the heads up many years ago, helping me understand how the system works because I would never know. I mean, who would ever know? Thanks for doing it with wit and wisdom, which is incredibly important. So it didn't come off like a wagging the finger thing. And thanks for inspiring so many generations of us who came through medicine. And hopefully now every healthcare provider will read your book, Our Hospital, and be able to benefit from more wit and wisdom. No question about that. Also, thanks for just being so damn authentic telling the truth, and being really courageous to get on out there, especially when you did a long time ago and you faced all that negativity from, you know, your fellow physicians saying, you know, how dare you look at the system like that? And you said, well, you know, I'm holding up a mirror. It's all I'm doing, just saying. And you know, I'm, I'm just a writer. I'm just a messenger. And there you are. So thank you for all of that. And I will absolutely look forward to having you back on the podcast again. And you and I are now friends. Okay. Yes. All right. Here we are. Absolutely. No question about it. Now, everyone out there, I want you to run to iTunes and I want you to click on the iTunes rate and review the show because we want to hear from you like in a big, big way. I also want to give a second shout out to our marvelous sponsor, Solaray Vitamins, S-O-L-A-R-A-Y, vitamins.com, because you need your little multiple vitamin and all the other goodies for women. So just run on over there, learn, learn, learn. We always talk about this. Oh, well, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, host of the Her Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peek MD. Remember to catch every single episode of the Her Podcast on all the platforms, Radio MD, iTunes, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. You'll find us. And listen, thanks for being here. Stay safe and stay well. <laughs>